This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, again, I'm glad you came out. A lot to be praying about. Just one of the things the Lord has told me, said, don't reject my word, okay? Don't reject the word of God, because when I reject the word of God, I've rejected God. And it's not a great mystery that America's rejected God's word. When we kick him out of our public schools, when we kick him out of our courthouses, we've rejected him. And you go back and you study any time in the Bible, even when the Israelites rejected God's word and they rejected him, God began to withhold his protection and his blessing upon them. And the Lord said, the season has come that I will begin to reign, but it won't be drops of blessing, it'll be drops of pain. And so get ready, okay? And I don't say that to to scare you, but it does come back to this. I cannot reject the Word of God. I cannot try to redefine sin. I've just got to live by the Word. And it's very important that we get a hold of this and say, Lord, I'm going to live by the Word of God to the best of my ability. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, help me. Now, that was all free. That wasn't tonight. Go with me to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. And in saying that, 1 Peter, way back there in the back, right after the Hebrews. The Hebrew, the Shebrew, and the homebrew. All right, 1 Peter 1. I don't know that I should have said that, but I did. You know, tonight we're going to talk about a, a holy living. Living a holy lifestyle. And, you know, that's not a real popular topic among our society, or even more so within the church right now. But a lot of times when we talk about holy living, people will say, well, you shouldn't talk about holy living. You don't want to offend anyone. Well, by telling people the truth, is that offending people? And so I don't know about you, but I'm in a stage in my life, I want to know the truth. I want to know what the B-I-B-L-E says about this. So we begin tonight in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, gird up the loins of your mind, and it would be like girding up your pants or your breeches with that belt, cinching them up, prepare for action is literally what that means. He goes on to say, and and be sober, that word sober there means to be self-disciplined. To live a self-disciplined life and rest or set your hope fully, fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he gives me some guidelines right there how I'm to begin to live. Verse 14, as obedient children, the new living says, live as obedient children. Not conforming or shaping or you're molding yourselves to your former lust, to your former evil desires. And so literally right here, he's warning us, don't, don't fall back or don't slip back into your old way of living. Don't revert back to how you lived before you gave your heart to Jesus. Keep reading. As in your ignorance. Now you know what that means right there? When he talks about as in your ignorance, it was before you knew about God. 
It's before you knew any better. And I can tell you this in my life, a lot of years of my life, I just flat out ignorant. I didn't know. I didn't know any better. But I can't plead the fifth anymore. I do know now. And so he said, don't live in your ignorance. Verse number 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Now, I got to define right there the word holy for every one of us. It means to be set apart, a separation. And literally, the, the, the set apart that he's talking about is from the world. I, I'm, I'm to love sinners, I'm just not to act like sinners. So it means a separation to be set apart. It means purity. It means to live dedicated and devoted to Father God. That's what holiness is. So it becomes like this, Lord. I'm going to live dedicated and devoted to you above everything else in my life. I want to be well-pleasing to you. Now, look how he ends in that verse. As he called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. In all your conduct. So, one of the measuring sticks of my conduct is holiness. Now, a great rule of thumb for me, or a great measuring stick, and this may help you, this may not, I don't know. But in my own life, I always have to ask myself this question. With holiness and my conduct, would Jesus do this? Would Jesus be here? And so there's times in your life, I really think, if I would just ask myself that, that would answer real quick. Jesus wouldn't be doing that. Jesus wouldn't be here. And you know, we can, we can give all kinds of excuses as humanity. You know, even, and I'm not going to knock you for going to the movie, that's your deal. But a lot of times we go to movies that we shouldn't be watching. And the next time you go to a movie like that, just, like, just, just view it as taking Jesus with you. And you nudge Jesus and say, hey, it's okay. There's going to be some crazy sexual sins in, sins in here, but it's okay. And then you nudge him again and say, you know, they're probably going to kill a lot of people here in a minute, but it's okay. And you know what? They're going to say some cuss words, but it's okay. And they're probably going to use your father's name in vain at least a hundred times. But it's just a movie. But see, right here, he deals with me on this area. And he said, be holy as he is holy. So literally I can say, I need to be holy because God is holy and I'm to imitate him. Keep reading. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Dedicate your life to, to doing his will right here. And this is big that I get this. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, according to each one's conduct, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, God's going to judge our work here, and, and it's just another incentive to live holy. That's his desire for me and you. Now, turn back just a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Ooh, this is some powerful stuff right here. It'll change you in a good way. 
Hebrews 12, verse 12. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. When you read those verses right there. It's literally telling me and you that we ought to set examples. You know the apostle Paul he said this. Don't do anything that would cause another person to sin or to stumble. And so really right here he's telling me. Live holy. You be, you be the example. And some people say well what if they don't follow me. Oh well. You're still going to set the example. Verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness. Pursue peace with all people. And work at living a holy life. Two great truths right there. Be peaceful with all people and, and live a holy life. See, there's a conflict with the world right there. That i got to be in peace with the world. But not at the expense of holiness, okay? I'm never to drop my guard. I'm never to drop being holy. Now, look how that verse ends because this is very important. Without which no one will see the Lord. If I don't search for peace with all people and I don't live in holiness, I, I can't get away with what he just said. With which I shall not see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now the root of bitterness is deliberately turning away from God. That's where this goes from. And it says right there that it may become defiled or contaminated, and literally the example right there was the Israelites. They rejected God's word. They quit living for the God. And they quit doing what he said. And ultimately, this is what began to take place. Now, when we talk about holiness, holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts, okay? Holiness is just to be Christ-like. So if Jesus is Lord of my life, and I want to imitate him. I want to be like him. I mean, it's just like a little boy, you know. He, he always mimics his father. I mean, I, I still get it, it tickled to this day when you drive down the street and you're seeing a dad out mowing the lawn and right next to him is a little boy that's pushing a little fake lawnmower. He wants to be like daddy. You know, and I say, dude, don't do that. You're going to do that the rest of your life. You're going to wish you'd have never done that. I'm, I'm going to use this analogy because we were at Terry and Suzanne Suarez's house the other night. And in their kitchen, they have a little daughter. Reagan's probably three, right? Somewhere in there. And by mama's kitchen, she has her little kitchen. Her little set. And so when mama cooks, she cooks. She wants to be like mama. And so in that setting, that's the same thing with holiness. It just says, I want to be Christ-like. I want to act like him. I want to imitate him. I want to be like him. Now, the rest of this evening, we're going to go to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians 5 with me, and we'll start there. And so, as you're turning to Galatians 5, for me to live a holy life, I'm going to have to have the Holy Spirit help me. You're going to have to have the Holy Spirit help you, because you know what? 
you've got a thing called your flesh. And your flesh doesn't like to be told what to do. Your flesh likes to do what it wants to do. But with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit keeps refining me. And he keeps molding me. And he keeps shaping me as long as I keep inviting him in and I keep asking him for help. You know, if, if you've ever had problems with cursing, you say, man, Pastor, I, I just hate cursing. It just seems like it just jumps out of my mouth. Start asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Start help, asking him to help you. You won't need to put a, a cussing patch on, okay? You won't need to do that. He'll help you, all right? He's just that way. He's the helper. So watch this, and we begin in Galatians 5, 16. And it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, or live in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you look at what he's saying right here. I'm either going to learn to live or walk in the Spirit, or I'm going to be dominated by my flesh. Now this was a, a promise that he gave us. And we got to understand this. The Spirit and the flesh are diametrically opposed. They completely oppose each other. And so in that sense there, we, we've, we've got to get over and begin to listen to him. We've got we to live by him. I, I'm going to come to this point in my life. Do I listen to him or don't I listen to him? Same with every one of us. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. It's like there's a tug of war. Our flesh, it, 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 it urges indulgence, but the Spirit, he, he constrains us to righteousness. And so, he ends this, this verse, and this may locate you right here. He says, so that you do not do the things you wish. How many of you have ever been in that situation, or you're in that situation right now? I'll raise my hands in both situations. And so it's like the tug where your flesh is pulling on you, but the Holy Spirit is constraining me. He's trying to say, don't do that. You know which one wins? The one you obey. For every one of us. So the Holy Spirit right here, He enables us. He empowers us to subdue the lust of our flesh. When we continually submit ourselves to his power and his control. How do I do that? Just like you ask Jesus to come into your heart, man, on a daily basis. So I welcome you today, Holy Spirit. I welcome you. And I will tell you, there'll be days you'll feel like, man, he doesn't have the little pruning shears out on me. He's got a chainsaw out on me. But any time that God begins to prune on us, you know why? He's always got a kingdom harvest in mind. And so, just, just think about this if you've ever pruned anything. I've pruned, she's not in here. I've pruned these rose bushes in my backyard. I hated them. My goal was to kill them. I took a shovel out. And I'd chop them off as far as I could. And it would shock me the next year they would come back and they would be thicker and fuller. And so if one day Shelly finally caught on and she said, you're trying to kill my rose bushes, aren't you? I said, no, dear, I'm just pruning them. See, that's the same with Father God. Through the Spirit of God, He begins to prune me. Keep reading. Go to verse 18. But if 
Ooh, that's a big word, if. If you are led, guided, or directed by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So when we read this, the person who is led by the Spirit will do what is right freely. I don't do right because of the compulsion of the law. I do it because of freedom, and the Holy Spirit begins to, to, to guide me. You know, there were times in my life I did stuff just because the Bible said you got to do it. And you know what that literally was? That was works of my flesh. See, God never intended us for do, doing things in our own ability, on our own power. How many of you have ever had an addiction to something? You said, I'm going to quit. No more. I'm not going to do it anymore. And if you were really good, you lasted about a day. I tell you, the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll help you. Verse 19, now the works, now get that word, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, or lewdness. Now, these are categorized right here. The first four that are mentioned in verse 19, every one of them have to do with sexual sins. He said, these are the works of the flesh, and they're evident. Verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. This is pagan religions. In verse 20, the next nine that are listed, these are sins of temper. Look at these. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and ultimately murder. These are the works of the flesh and they are evident. He ends in verse number 21, and the last two are sins of drunkenness and revelries, carousing. That's what the Bible called it. That's what the Bible said, okay? Now get this next few few sentences here. And the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor didn't write that. The pastor has to live by that just like you do. And so right here, so much of this comes back to to holiness and saying, Lord, I just want to live for you. I just want to please you. Now we begin the next one, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to stop right there. Remember the first ones we read were the works of the flesh. But this one he identifies as the fruit of the Spirit. So this type of fruit only can come from the Holy Spirit. Now, again, when I talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to list them here in just a minute because there's significance with them. But when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit... I've never seen an apple tree just freaking out. Just freaking out and thinking, I've got to produce apples today. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. The, the apple tree, if it gets the right water and the nutrients, it just produces that fruit naturally. It's a God-given process. It's the same with the fruit of the Spirit. When I keep hanging around God and I get the spiritual nutrients I I need every day, the Holy Spirit begins to work on you. 
And so he begins this in verse 22. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. These three concern my attitude toward God. Love and joy and peace. The next three that he talks about here is long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. These three, or these three here in the second group, they deal with social relationships. The last three that he talks about, let me see where I'm at, is gentleness, self-control, and faithfulness. And those three describe a Christian's conduct. Right there. If you ever look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's very easy to go through there and make check marks by them and saying, I need help in that area. How many of you ever need help in walking in love? Crud, we all ought to raise our hand. That's every day. Here's a good one for me. Patience. Patience. You got to work patience in me. Patience. I mean, if you ever ride with me in a car, you need to pray for me. Patience. You'll see it. Patience. Patience. To this day, guys, I I got every light timed. I'm telling you. I, I, I can hit like eight or nine traffic lights all the way to the church, especially on Sunday morning when no one's out. That's a happy day. It's a great start to day like I hit every light green. I've had people in the car, and, and they were riding with me, and I'd say, that light up there will turn green in about three seconds. They'd do it, and they'd look at me, and they'd say, how do you know that? And I'd say, God's got to work patience in me. I'm the guy who sits at the traffic light, and I watch the other one right there. And when it turns yellow, that means go for me. And I wheel off the access road and I go straight down Quaker. And when I hit the light, I believe it's 66th and Quaker, I get to the Sonic and they've really blessed me now because they put those crosswalks and you can see the numbers counting down. So I can see it and it says three seconds. And I'm moving, I'm moving. I don't have time to wait. And so if I hit it perfect and I get to the next one at the light at 82nd and Quaker, I know I have exactly a few seconds and that right turn lane on red is getting ready to go off, so i got to go. It's nuts, isn't it? I'm serious. And so I have need of patience. How about self-control? Self-control, see, it's by the Spirit of God. Now, watch what he says here in, in verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now, Paul describes right here repentance as a crucifixion of the old life of sin, turning from it fully and finally, and the verb indicates a decisive act. So when we talk about this on a daily basis, how does it look? Well, the Holy Spirit begins to move in my life, and according to John 16, verse 8, it says, the Holy Spirit will convict me of sin. So his job is to come in to convict me of sin, and then it becomes my responsibility what I do with that. Do I repent of it? And so the Holy Ghost, as long as I keep repenting, you know what he does? He keeps molding me and shaping me, and he says, because of repentance, your heart will say tender. Anytime I quit repenting, Oh, I get a hard heart. Now watch what he says next. 
If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, what happens often as human beings, we want the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life, but we don't want Him to lead. We want Him to follow us. And then we want to dictate to Him, we need you to do this or do that. But it's right here. If I get what He says right here, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So on a daily basis, you know what that means? I've got to learn to obey Him. When the Holy Spirit moves in my heart to do something, I must obey Him. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me before, you need to repent to that person. And it's not like an audible voice, guys. It's something I sense in my heart. And there's times I look and I say, I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to do it. And you know what? I don't have to do it. I can override that. But anytime I override that, it's not good. Same chapter. Go with me to, to verse 13. Galatians 5, verse 13. Now get how this is addressed here. Because when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was writing to the believers at the church of Galatia. And he's saying, listen, dude, your flesh is, is eating you guys up. Just like he tries to do with us. So he says here, for you brethren, you fellow believers, you Christians, you brothers and sisters in Christ have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh... But through love, serve one another. And so he's saying that the, the opportunity that comes from the freedom that God gives us wasn't for me to keep sinning. It wasn't for me to keep living however my flesh wanted. He said, no, I want you to learn to serve. I want you to learn to be a servant. So when you look at all this, again, Paul was speaking to believers. And I've heard believers say this well, you've got to understand, I'm a Christian now, and since I gave my heart to Jesus, I no longer have a tendency to live by my flesh. Well, that's not what Paul said. And I will tell you this, the tendencies in my life, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I believe I got born again, but it was a process the things of my flesh didn't leave automatically or overnight. I be, had to become renewed to the Word of God and I had to stay with it. And that's where the Holy Spirit began to come in and play. And He kept tweaking me and He kept molding me. He kept and that's what He's still doing. So don't think just because you're born again. Well, Pastor, I don't have angel wings yet. It's okay. Just keep doing the Word of God. Keep hanging around the Holy Spirit. And before long, you'll begin to see changes. And your spouse will really see changes. Now, in saying all that, I want to zero in on, on, on verse 16 one more time here. Because the only answer that Paul gave for the dilemma of the flesh is right here. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. And that word walk, it literally is a verb 
that implies progression. Steady process that the Holy Spirit not only empowers me, but He monitors monitors me. So He said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Wow. So I got to heed this here. I got to begin to say, man, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you. And listen, one of the worst things that happens to us as Christians, when you make a mistake, when you sin, when you fall, get back up, okay? Repent and have a, a, a heartfelt repentance. Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. And, and some of you I sense right now saying, but pastor, I've said that a thousand times. That's okay. You keep getting back up and you say, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want my flesh to dominate me. And then you begin to get a hold of the Word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on you. And, and stand on your feet. You praise and worship God. Come back up here. And in my own life, guys, when I'm dominated by alcohol in my flesh, I mean, I'm dominated, I'm dominated, I'm dominated. And I stood on, on Colossians 1, 12 and 13. That says that Jesus has, has made me a partaker of the inheritance in life. He's made me a partaker of it. And he said that he's delivered me out of the power of darkness. And so the darkness of my life at that time was alcohol. Man, I was dominated. And I begin to say this day after day after day. I had three by five cards. They were pinned to my mirrors. They were pinned to my cards. I kept them in my wallet. I would say over myself, the Lord Jesus said that he's delivered me from the power of alcohol. He's transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And some of you say, and you never drank again. Not, not. The next day I drank. And it affected me, guys. I, I would weep before the Lord. And I'd say, Lord, I don't want to do that. And I would repent. And I would sense the Holy Spirit say, get back up. I'd start quoting the word and I'd start living by the word and the Holy Spirit just kept molding me and shaping me and before long I didn't drink for a day two days five days before long I had great victories and now just because the power of the, the Holy Spirit and through the word of God I'm free and I give him glory and honor that's how he works thank you for listening today for more information please visit faithchurchlubbock.com